Three decades ago, the Power Rangers franchise captured my imagination. Like many of my fellow children of the 90s, I watched after school, joined the official fan club, wore the Halloween costumes, and, of course, collected the toys. While I eventually put those toys away, the flame of my Power Rangers fandom never died. Now, on this podcast, I am re-examining the legendary Mighty Morphin era and the modern comics that have redefined the franchise. It's time to get back to action. Welcome to the series premiere of Summoning the Zords, a Power Rangers fan journey. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Joining me to discuss the five-part television storyline, Green with Evil, is our first guest, comic book artist, V. Ken Marion. Welcome. Great to be here, man. I'm so excited. So excited. <laughs> Just recently uh, watched the... Uh, I haven't watched Power Rangers since I was like nine so like it was it was a uh, a trip to go back and watch these green ranger episodes that we did for the show so it was awesome i had such a great time revisiting these episodes and i want to say of course thank you to you ken for being here for our debut episode i want to thank the audience if you are a listener of my comic shop history or digging for kryptonite the other shows that i do or if you're a brand new listener i thank you very much for checking out this new monthly show if you like what you hear, please make sure you subscribe via your podcast platform of choice. That way you'll never miss an episode when they drop each month. And if you want to join the conversation, follow at Summon the Zords on Twitter. You can join the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network Facebook group, or you can go to flatsquirrelproductions.com and send me a message through the website. So I would love to hear from folks about, about your experience with Power Rangers. So this podcast series is a long time coming. I mentioned Digging for Kryptonite. That's my Superman show. I've been doing that for a couple of years. You've been a guest on that a bunch of times. It's always such a blast. And I can't, I can't express how fulfilling it's been on that show to examine and explore, rediscover that fandom. That's been such a huge part of my life since I was five years old. And through that process, it got me thinking about Power Rangers, which when I go back to those, those early childhood years, I mean, that was, it was Superman and it was Power Rangers. And unlike Superman, it's not something that has stayed with me over, over all of these years, but it's something that I remember so fondly and that I have revisited in various ways here and there, which, which we'll talk about. And I just thought it would be so fascinating to go back, to rewatch, to read the new comics. That's going to be a big part of this series as we move forward is to read the current Boom Studios comics, which I've started to make my way through and they're fascinating, and they, I think they, sh they shine a, a light and, and kind of give you a new perspective, a new context for what you saw on the show. So I think between rewatching old episodes and talking about the comics, uh, we'll put together a really interesting picture here. And so I'm really excited to get into this. Sweet, man. I'm so happy. for. Thank you for having me back on. Um, yeah, I think this is like the second or no, the third show of years that I've, I've been the launch guest on, which is so cool. So I'm very honored that you keep bringing me back. Hopefully people aren't sick of hearing me if you've listened to the other shows. And if you're new, uh, welcome. We're going to nerd out and like have some fun talking about Power Rangers. So Absolutely. So look, our subtitle is A Power Rangers Fan Journey. So it's especially fitting for this first episode. Of course, we're going to get into Green with Evil. We're getting there. But what is your power rangers fan journey like when did you get into this how long did you watch what what did your fandom look like growing up so i was the perfect age for power rangers because i can't i watched it launched when i was in kindergarten i think it launched that 
that fall of when I was starting kindergarten. So I, I was into Power Rangers for about three years from the ages like six to eight. So kindergarten, first grade, second grade, I was like, Power Rangers was it for me. Right. And then I think in third grade is when I started getting like kind of like out aging it. And that's when like they changed up the, they're no longer the mighty Morphin Rangers. There was something else like, and they changed up the cast and stuff. And I was just kind of like getting older at that point, kind of like growing out of it. But like for like ages from six, seven and eight Power Rangers was like everything to me, dude. Like, and it was, we'll definitely get into it more, but rewatching it, like I totally understand why it was. And, and in comparison, I think at the time I liked Power Rangers, I, I, I liked Power Rangers more than any other like superhero thing. Like I believe I was, I had already touched base with like Batman and Superman and X-Men because of the cartoon shows and the movies. But Power Rangers, when when I discovered that, it's just like for those three years, like eclipsed everything for me. So, yeah, and like I haven't thought about it since I was like eight. So it was it was a trip to to go back, man, and remember all this stuff, you know. And the toys, we'll definitely talk about all the the action figures and stuff because that was huge part of it too. That's the thing. You can't talk about Power Rangers without talking about the toys. And and I have an episode that we'll do a little bit down the line where we'll we'll focus squarely on the toys, but. You know, it's interesting to hear you lay that out. I mean, we had very similar experiences. We're the same age. I'm just a few months older than you. I watched, I think I had, I got one year past where you did. So I remember watching in kindergarten, kindergarten through fourth grade for me. So I made it to fourth grade and I wish I could, I wish I could say, okay, I remember the first time I watched it. I don't, but I do. I mean, I remember, you know, coming home and watching it after school. It was a huge part of my routine and again, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, it was huge. I remember all the kids in my class were into it as well. I remember starting to feel a little bit of a shift in third grade where people were still into it, but some of the kids were kind of falling away, but there were still a lot of us. And then in fourth grade, and that was the the Zio year, right? So we were beyond Mighty yes. Morphin at that point, and we were in the Zio year. And that's when I stopped watching. I remember I was one of the few in fourth grade, who was still, who was still watching it. And to this day, I mean, I, I, I don't know for sure. I don't know if I stopped because my friends weren't watching it and I, you know, it wasn't considered cool anymore, or if I was just losing interest, it's probably a little bit of both, I suppose, but that's as far as I made it. So that mighty Morphin era into well, that Zio year is definitely, you know, definitely that, holds a special place. What year did you graduate high school? So I think grade wise, I was a year ahead of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then maybe, I, we. It sounds like we ended at the same time, but you were a year ahead of me grade wise. So maybe I had the. Maybe it was the year before kindergarten when it aired for me. Maybe I had that mixed up. But like it sounds because like it was around. Yeah, because I forgot the name of Zero. But it was when they switched the no longer the Mighty Morphin. It was like a different cast, and they had like a different, different like they weren't the, the same sort. Like that's when I like kind of shifted away. Yeah. Gotcha. So it sounds like the sounds like the same time period, but like I think I was just a grade back for sure. So yeah. Power Rangers, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers debuted on August 28th, 1993. And the episodes that we're going to talk about Green with Evil aired October 5th through October 9th, 1993. So these were episodes 17 through 21 of the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So it's I guess it 
you know, you're, it depends on your perspective. It might feel like this was kind of deep into the run because there's 16 episodes before Tommy shows up. But at the same time, especially given how frequently they were airing, it wasn't yeah. that, that long a period of time before you, before you got here. Yeah. Well, it was funny. Cause when I was looking through the Netflix, I was like, wow, he doesn't show up to like deep into it. But then I remember that it aired Monday through Friday. Like it wasn't like one of those shows that was like once a week, it was in initial run. It was airing every day, Monday through Friday. For me, it was 3.30 in the afternoon. I don't know if it was a different time here for you guys, but I remember that so distinctly being 3.30. Like me and my friends, like had to be home by 3.30 to see Power Rangers, but. Perfect. That's yeah. a perfect uh, segue to a, a little anecdote that I think encapsulates how much I loved this show. I, re- I still remember this. So I switched schools in between first and second grade. And I remember the summer before second grade going to the new school. I had actually gone there for preschool, so I wasn't totally new, but I remember being there the summer before second grade with my parents and the principal was showing us around. And I remember asking the principal what time dismissal was because I needed to be home in time for Power Rangers. Now, I don't remember if I specifically said the Power Rangers part. I might have just asked about the timing, but that was the motivation behind it. So, and I also remember... I mean, this makes me sound old, but, you know, now, of course, we DVR everything we watch on demand, all that. But I mean, I remember taping episodes. I mean, I was a little kid with my VCR and I was like always recording episodes. It was it was a huge part of my childhood, of my routine. I mean, I remember, unlike you, I have zero artistic ability, but I still have some of the Power Rangers drawings that I did. And I mentioned this in the trailer that I wrote what I guess would now be considered fan fiction. And that was a result of my mother. And I've talked about this on on my other shows, but you know, my mom was not a fan of me reading comics initially. She kind of came around on that later. And similarly with Power Rangers, you know, there were, there was definitely split opinions from adults uh, about the show and whether it was, you know, Wait, uh, really? Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember between the two schools, there was a little bit of a shift. Like I remember, I think the first school where I was, it, you know, it was not, it was not necessarily encouraged. Like I remember, the, I can't remember specifically, but whether it was drawing them or like playing them in the schoolyard, there was some, I guess because of the, you know, the fighting, the violence. I mean, not that it was particularly violent, but I think that was the concern about it. And then I remember, I think it was the second school that I went to where there was no pushback. Like I remember drawing Power Rangers and, you know, not being sure how it was going to be received and it was fine. It was like, oh, this is great. So in any event, uh, you know, with, with my mom and, you know, comics and then Power Rangers, there was always a, like a little bit of, of resistance, always a bit of a worry that it would hurt my my academic or intellectual development. And so the the deal that was struck was that I could watch Power Rangers if I wrote about it. And I still have these. I mean, a lot of stuff, a lot of my files and records and stuff, uh, you know, I had to do away with over the years through various moves, but I did save a lot of this stuff. And some of them were kind of like plot summaries but then it did get to the point where I was I was sort of making up my own stories and and I do do credit that in large part with a lot of the 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 journalism and documentary and podcast work that I've gone on to do those this was such an early age that I was writing and writing regularly so again Power Rangers man just it, it a very holds a very very special place for me that's really cool to hear, man. That's really, really cool to hear. And that you got like a creative outlet out of it because that, I, mean, I do want to talk about that, that I feel like the show is like just perfect imagination fuel for kids. And it was for me, like it was, we'll, we'll get into it more, but like, it, it's very obvious to me watching it again, why it was so popular. Like it's very obvious. And, 
And I think it was such imagine. It was just, it was, it was, it was the best, the best way I can, best phrase I can come up for it. It was just like imagination fuel for kids watching it. Like just make up their own like stories with these characters, you know? Um, funny that you, you said like adults where you were like, were split on because I remember, I remember growing up, like my parents being very happy about it. My friend's parents being happy about it. Like the teachers, like, because it, it was a show that had like good messages, I think for kids. So like everyone thought it was like a very like positive thing, like thing. So that's, that's so interesting that you were, you guys were mixed on it. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of creative outlet, did you, did you draw? Like, did you draw oh, the characters? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. 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 All, all the characters, the Zords, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was drawing before Power Rangers. Like I was just, you know, doodling, but that was Power Rangers is one of the first things I remember like drawing, like, like big, like, like I used to get these big newsprint pads and draw these big, like pictures of the Power Rangers. My parents would like hang them up in the basement and stuff. Nice. So, yeah. you know, we, I think we've both hit on this, but it was, it was such a fun experience to go back and I, I had a similar takeaway as you, you know, watching these Green with Evil episodes. I I said to myself, I totally understand why I was so into this and why it captured my interest and imagination. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into it, who is your favorite Power Ranger? So I think before, if you had asked me this a few days ago, I would have I would have said Tommy, which I think is the probably the you know the most common answer that you get from people. Yeah. But what I've realized, and especially rewatching this, I think it's Jason. Really? Okay, so Jason was my favorite until Tommy showed up. And then Tommy, like, eclipsed everything. Like, I was like, Tommy's just, like, the coolest. And, like, I remember distinctly the opening intro when he would show up in the intro. Like, when they were showing the people and we saw him, I'd be like, yes, this is a Green Ranger episode. Like, I'd be, like, psyched about it because he wasn't in every episode. So, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, I totally hear you. And... I guess the last piece along the, well, not the last piece we've, you know, but as far as right now, we talk about the fan journey and sort of my experience after I stopped watching, I think for a very long time, it, you know, it wasn't necessarily something that I, I devoted much thought to. Uh, in recent years though, I guess there have been a few opportunities to, to go back to it. Uh, I've definitely fallen down YouTube rabbit holes of watching clips. So I've done that. I have checked out some of the quote-unquote legacy episodes that they've done on the show in recent years, like Forever Red, when all the former Red Rangers come back. So here and there, I've watched a couple of the modern episodes when they brought back legacy characters. Side note, it's it's so funny because the the current shows, they, they utilize CGI, but it's it's very bare bones. They don't necessarily have the, the budget to make it look like you would want it to look, such that... Any day of the week, I would take the 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 effects and the mini- miniatures that we got in the original show. I think they ho- actually hold up better. They, okay, this is one of the like I don't know how deep you want to get into it yet, but like I think that the practicality of it is one of the reasons why it was so popular, and like it still looks good. Like that's the thing is that like so so for a history of people who don't know, the show was. Like, I guess I can get into it now, like, like why I think it was so fun, because we kind of touched on it. The show was originally a show called Super Sentai, I think, in Japan. And that was like a long running, it's like basically like a long running live action superhero show, very much like Power Rangers. But it's, it's different. It's like, if you actually look it up, like, it's more like fantasy based and like mystical. And there's, there's, there's definitely huge differences from it. But 
Saban bought the rights for it to redistribute in America. And they basically like all the stuff where they're in costume with the monsters is all Japanese footage. And they edited it together with the, the new American stuff that they filmed. So I think the, just like, like, there's so many places I can go from this, but like the fact that it was built that way, like it was this Japanese show, like one, the martial arts and the action on the show are like off the chain. Like it's like, I was shocked watching it now. Like, I think like the, the stuff, the actual Japanese footage of them in the costumes fighting, like with the sparks and like the, and like the noise, the sound effects and everything, everything just feels so visceral and like action packed. And I like think back to we just recently watched Superman, the movie, we recently watched Batman 89 and stuff this blows it all away. Like in terms of like the action is like legit. This is like legit martial artists in Japan doing like really kick-ass stuff. And there's really cool camera angles. Like they do these interesting things where like the camera will pan through a city and they'll be like fighting on different levels of rooftops. And like, it's just, it's really dynamic and frenetic, you know? And like, and then when they get in the, the monsters and the Zords, the skies and costumes. So like there's a, there is a janky kind of element to it, but but there's also like a tactile feeling to it. So like it actually, the way they film it with the camera angles, like it actually feels like a giant robot. Like if when you're a kid, you know? So, and, and then coupled with when they cast the American people to do the American side, they didn't cast actors. They casted martial artists and gymnasts. So like, while the acting is a little dicey on some of it, when they start fighting, there's no stuntmen. It's like them. And it looks good. Like it looks legit, legitimately great. Like Tommy looks awesome fighting. Jason looks awesome fighting. Zach looks awesome. Fighting. Like they all look great doing the martial arts. Like it's actually them. So that combined with the actual martial arts footage of the Japanese footage, it just was this really high energy frenetic show that like was like a Van Damme movie for kids, essentially. Like it was like really kick-ass. And, it, and like I said, it blew away all the superhero stuff, like in terms of, not the story, but in terms of like the actual combat that was shown so good. So like as a kid, I totally get why I love this. Cause it was just, and it was colorful and explosions and sparks. And like, it just, it was everything I wanted as a kid. It was just like, yes, this is perfect. Well said, man. I, I echo all of that. And it, it's funny as a kid, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know that I, I could have articulated that. And actually one of the things I wanted to ask were you aware watching it as a kid that it was this blend of American and Japanese footage? Not at all. Same Not here. All. Same here. I, I don't remember exactly when I came across that, that bit of information, but I, I definitely know in one of those YouTube or, or Netflix rabbit holes that I fell down uh, in recent years, it, you know, it, you see it in a whole new light now where you can see, you know, the switch, you know, from, uh, you know, from the American to Japanese footage and back again. And it, it just, you know, it colors it all differently. But when you're watching it as a kid, you know, you just totally buy into it. And yeah, it does create this really fantastic one-two punch. And that was something that definitely stood out to me on rewatching here is seeing our American actors actually doing the fighting. And it, it just really takes it to another level. It, it, it really creates such a powerful effect. Yeah. And the fact that they don't like have to cut away to like stuntmen, like it's like, it's legit. Like you see their faces and it's like, it, it, it's actually shocking to me that they don't do this more with superhero movies that cast people that actually know how to do it, you know, because like, I feel like you can, I feel like you, this might sound disrespectful to actors. I hope it doesn't, but I feel like you can teach someone to act more easily than you can teach someone martial arts late in their life. You know what I mean? Like, and make it look like really good. Like, I don't know, like, like Tommy looks freaking great doing his karate, you know? So I don't know. Another thing about the, the, 
to like blending of the Japanese footage with American footage is that another positive effect I think this had was that, and why another reason why I thought it was so popular was that it kind of felt like it could was taking place anywhere. Like there are scenes that look like they're taking place in like the back like streets of like a like East LA, but then it looks like it's in the suburb of middle America, but then it's in like the beach. Then it's like to a forest. Then it's like downtown Tokyo. Like, and like, it's this blend of like city and suburb and desert. And like, I feel like if you're a kid anywhere you live, like you could imagine it's where you live. Cause I remember being a kid thinking like, this looked like my hometown. You know what I mean? Like, so there are elements of like being like from almost everywhere kind of fused together so that it like, and I don't think that was intentional. I think that was just like a happy accident, you know? That's a that's a really interesting point because I had a I had a similar thought, but I guess I was a little more cynical about it. I'm like, what what exactly is the geography of Angel Grove? Because it is like all over the place. But when you were a kid, you thought that? No, no. Now as I was watching. Oh, it, yo, is it okay? Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ever really gave much thought to it as a kid, but yeah, now I'm yeah. like, what like what what exactly is the city? But you're right, and I I wonder if that did that did help people to be able to kids be able to connect with it. Right. Cause wherever you were, you kind of saw part of, you know, yeah, there's this part of your downtown and this industrial area. We've got the docks, we've got the suburbs, we've got the juice bar. It's like, it's all yeah. over the place, but yeah, yeah, it's like wherever you are, you can see, you know, your hometown, you can see yourself there. And things that I was looking out for very distinctly this time, which I never noticed as a kid was when they do cut to like fighting in the cities, the Japanese footage, you can see Japanese like signage on like buildings, but like, I never noticed that as a kid. So. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, you know, falling down one of those Netflix rabbit holes in recent years uh, there. I forget the title of the episode, but it was later on in the mighty Morphin era where Tommy's the, the white ranger. And I remember the, you know, one of the kids is, is babysitting a baby and it was a Japanese baby. And I remember thinking to myself initially, I was like, Oh, like, that's great. Like it's, you know, we had a little, you know, inclusion here, right. It's, it's uh, you know, show some variety. And then I realized as I'm watching the episode, it's because the baby ended up getting kidnapped by the monster and the Rangers had to save the baby. And that's the Japanese footage. So it's like, Oh, that's why. <laughs> and again, it's like, as a kid, you would never, you know, never even register, but uh, that, which and that's one of the things that's been cool about going back now as as an adult. And it's kind of this really sweet spot for me, at least. And I, it sounds like you had a similar experience where I remember enough that I'm pulled back to the way I felt watching it as a kid. That nostalgia factor is, is huge. But uh, so much time has passed and I have not been watching these over and over. So watching green with evil i didn't know it's exactly like what happened so i'm surprised as i'm watching it. i don't remember all the story beats so i'm like this is great so it was a perfect yeah. blend i felt yeah i, I had no uh, the only things i remember were liking the green ranger and then him being revealed to be the tommy being revealed to be the white ranger i don't remember how he turns into the white ranger or anything but like that's like the only thing i remember from the show like I, I remember none of the story points but honestly the story doesn't really matter in these shows like it's kind of like just an excuse to see them put their costumes on fight and like fight a monster you know it's like there's not and, and as like a five six seven eight year old like that's kind of all i wanted like i didn't need you know deep psychological explorations of like what makes the red ranger a hero and stuff like i didn't i didn't care you know like and and it, it's so oh, another thing that i loved about this show okay was that if you've heard me on other podcasts with anthony we talk a lot about the Zack snyder justice league movies and how we like the, the serious like tones and stuff and and i've maintained that i i don't like dark stuff 
but I don't like goofy stuff either. Like, and sometimes the Marvel movies like get a little too goofy for me. Like, like Thor movies, the Ant Man movies, even some of the Iron Man movies. Like, they, they they rely too much on a humor that sort of like degrades their like lead character. And what I loved about this Power Rangers is that there is goofy stuff in Power Rangers, right? And there is humor, but it's never at the expense of the Power Rangers. Like the Power Rangers are just cool. And like, this is kind of like what I'm trying to explain. Cause a lot of people, like a lot of my friends or, or people that I know will say like, oh, you just like dark stuff. I'm like, well, I don't like dark stuff. I just like earnest stuff. And Power Rangers was actually a really earnest show. Like as a kid, like you could take this like dead serious watching this. Right. And there's humor, there's humor with like Bulk and Skull and like the bad guys, like the Rita's like henchmen and stuff. But the Power Rangers are never like, like throwing a ball at a wall and it bounces back and knocks them out like Thor, you know, or like telling stupid, like, jokes like like a lot of the marvel characters almost feel like comedians who lift weights and it's like that's like it's just it doesn't there's like this like lack of earnestness to those movies that it's not not to crap on them because i know people like them and if you like them awesome i'm so happy you like them but like this when i was a kid hit that sweet spot for me where it was like it was fun and energetic and and humorous but but the heroes themselves were taken very seriously and like looking back i think that was a huge reason why i liked it i i'm with you and this ties back to what you were saying before about, uh, you know, the, how dynamic the action was and everything. And yes, that was definitely a draw for me. And and I loved the Zords and I had the toys. So yes, that was a that was a big part. And it was colorful and, and everything. But I think what really drew me to this, even as a kid, I, th- I think I recognized this. It it was those themes of teamwork, friendship, and and determination, not giving up. I mean, I think even at that young age, like those themes came through and you're right the there was an earnestness to it and you're, you're right anytime that there was humor it wasn't at the expense of the rangers they were never the butt of the joke never yeah and i think that does i, I think that does speak to why it worked as as well as it did yeah a lot of the humor actually came from bulk and skull and it was like them being bullies and the power rangers like one-upping them by being like good people like that's kind of where a lot of the humor like the power rangers were like as the civilian identities like tommy jason trini kimberly zach billy like they were shown as to be like really like good wholesome people like like role models you know what i mean like and i think that was huge for me as a kid as part of like part of me clocking at that age like right and wrong and like how to be treat others with respect and stuff like that was like really got to the heart of it. Like, like I, I started karate at a very young age. Like I was before the show, I started it when I was five. And so this, when this came out, I was already like a year into it. So, and that's something that I practiced my whole life. And, and this show in many ways, like kind of, it, it doesn't go super deep into it, but it does touch on the elements of like, like a lot of like the virtues of like martial arts about like, concentration like self-discipline and respect like it, it it reinforces those aspects of it where this show very easily could have just been like no let's just kick ass and like violence and like that's not what like karate is really about you know and like i as an adult now i really actually appreciate that because they seem to anchor a lot of that with like this isn't about just beating people up this is about like balance for your life you know and like you, you actually don't ever want to beat someone up you know if you've like no karate. so like that I felt also now as an adult is something that I really appreciated. That was actually baked into the DNA of the show. And probably because Jace, the actors who played Jason and Tommy, I think in real life are martial art. Like I remember them being like, like, like not just like knowing the stunts, but like actually being real martial artists in real life. So I, I did appreciate that now. 
Yeah, and I, I love that you have that experience as a martial artist. I'm sure that, you know, that, again, gives you uh, so much more insight into what they're depicting on the show. I will say, it is funny to me that in the in the pilot, you know, Zordon calls on Alpha to summon, you know, five teenagers with attitude. And it's like, I don't know how much attitude they have. Like, they're such good kids. I mean, I guess attitude, yeah, yeah. you know, attitude can come in, in a number of forms, but it's just like, these are... These are like the best kids you can find. They hang out at the juice bar and they, yeah, pra- yeah. they practice karate. You know, they're, you know, I don't well, know how the, much attitude per se. <laughs> the juice bar. Dude, I want to talk about the juice bar because like in one of the, the episodes, I didn't watch the first episode again. So, but I know that's in the, that's in the intro though. He's like, get teenagers with the attitude. So I, I want to ask you, you did see the first episode in the first episode. Are they already friends or are they just random? Like five randos that like get teleported up together there. I will or say like- I, I did rewatch the pilot a little while ago, but I didn't rewatch watch it right now but uh as as i recall they are they're already friends i think in the in the first episode tommy or jason is uh is you know working with um is working with zach like they're already a friend oh okay okay it's not like they meet each other when they get okay 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 that makes sense like so the juice bar this is the weirdest place i've ever seen in a television (laughs) show never clocked it as a kid but like there's like a gymnastics mat a juice bar like like a rec center with like pinball machines and like weightlifting equipment, like all like in one room. It's like the weirdest, like it's just kind of like a catch all for like anything that they can use it for, which is very funny. I, I never had any place like that that, no, I, no. that I was aware of, but it would have been cool. Hey, it would be cool now. So one thing that I want to say, you know, to our audience, you know, checking out our first episode here, you know, as, as you're hearing, we're, you know, we're rewatching and we're going to be reading the comics uh, but, you know, for us, and I, I think probably for a lot of the guests who are going to be coming on, it's not that we've been watching consistently for all of these years. So there are things that, you know, we're not going to remember, things that we're going to be discovering or rediscovering as we go along. And uh, either way, I hope you just bear with us. And if, you know, this is something that you're an expert in and you're like, oh, they don't remember this, you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're working on it, we're getting there. And, and of course, like I said, feel free to reach out and, and share, you know, your take on this. And I will say, and hopefully this has become clear already uh, within our first half hour here, that you know we're coming at this from a place of love, and yeah, occasionally we might poke fun at at some things that uh, that we come across in the show. But uh, again, it's all really coming from a place of of love, and clearly the show means a lot to us. I also want to give a shout out to uh, a couple of people behind the scenes. So our theme music is by Basic Printer, uh, and I've used their music for a number of my shows now. So make sure you check out Basic Printer; love their stuff, and our key art. Uh, is actually a, a combo. Uh, we have our Zord pieces are by an artist named Joel Carroll. And then the artwork of yours truly is by cartoonist Greg Shegel. So I want to thank all of those folks for their contributions. Let's take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we will get into Green with Evil. We'll be right back. Acme Comics is a locally owned and operated full service comic book store in Greensboro, North Carolina for people of all ages and walks of life. Since 1983, this nine-time Eisner Award nominee uses their collective knowledge and resources to connect you with the best material available. They pride themselves on their significant contemporary and vintage back-issue selection. Mail-order subscriptions to new releases are available, and all offerings are available to anyone, anywhere, via mail order. Follow Acme on social media and eBay, listen to the AcmeCast on all podcast services, and visit acmecomics.com for much more. Film lovers and filmmakers should check out this family of film festivals, Brightside Tavern in Jersey City, 
Hang On to Your Shorts in Asbury Park, Point Lookout on Long Island, and In the Cut in Bloomfield, New Jersey. I was fortunate enough to have my work shown at these festivals, and I found them to be very enjoyable and well-run events. Submission information for filmmakers, as well as details about the festivals generally, can be found at filmfreeway.com. Follow the festivals on social media for news and updates about events, discounts, tickets, and more. Also, be sure to listen to the Hang On To Your Shorts and Cullen On Film podcasts available via a shared universe network. Fat Moose Comics is New Jersey's best and oldest comic book store. Established in 1982 and currently under new ownership, Moose sells a wide selection of new and old comics from every publisher, action figures, graphic novels, posters, statues, and more. If you're looking for something and they don't have it, they can probably get it for you. They know a guy. Visit Fat Moose in Whippany the next time you're in the Garden State, and be sure to reach out via the Fat Moose Comics Facebook page. Flat Squirrel Productions is an affiliate of BCW Supplies. The next time you need to restock on comic book bags, boards, boxes, and more, be sure to use promo code FSP, that's FSP for Flat Squirrel Productions, to save 10% on your order, and it helps support the show. Thank you. Oh Yeah Comics celebrates and promotes everything that is wonderful about comics, toys, artwork, and the joy they bring to people. Visit them in person at one of their three locations, Harrison, New York, which happens to be my local comic shop, Skokie, Illinois, or Muncie, Indiana. If you have children and have been looking for a family-friendly store, look no further. Join Oh Yeah for exciting events, including creator signings, how-tos, and more. Visit awyeahcomics.com and follow Oh Yeah on social media for more. Their name says exactly how they feel about it. Oh yeah. And we're back. Okay, here we are talking about the Green with Evil five-part storyline. This is, I, I think it's fair to say, one of the most, if not the most iconic storylines of, of all of Power Rangers and certainly the Mighty Morphin era. It's five parts. If I'm not mistaken, there's no other storyline that's that long. I believe that when they gave the Rangers the ninja powers on the show, separate from the movie, that was a four-parter. So a five-parter really, really stands on its own. It was, it was epic, and of course, it introduced the character who would be go, who would go on to be the favorite for for legions of Power Ranger fans, Tommy Oliver, the Green Ranger. I, uh, like I said, I this was such a such a blast to revisit. I have two. I guess two big picture takeaways and then I, you know, we'll, we'll break it all down and I want to get your overall impressions on it as well. Number one, I, I remembered one of the things that I always enjoyed about the show was when there was a break from the formula, right? The show was very formulaic. Typically one, one or more of the Rangers would have some sort of personal conflict that a fear of heights or something like that, that would then come into play in terms of the monster that they're fighting. And you would have the standard escalation, right? Where the Rangers would have to fight the putties and their civilian identities, and then the monster would show up and they would morph and the monster would grow and they would call the Zors. You know, we, we know the basic pattern of these episodes. But every now and then, and in Green with Evil, it happens a lot, you get a number of deviations from the standard formula. The Green Ranger enters the Megazord. The Rangers are thrust from it. Later on, the, the, the power of the Megazord is completely depleted and the Zords are swallowed up by the Earth. The Green Ranger infiltrates the command center twice. At one point, the Rangers go to morph and they can't because there's feedback from the morphing grid. There were so many things that were either rarities or firsts and that were, were breaks from the, the, the typical formula 
any one of those things I would have been, you know, sort of entranced by, but seeing all of them, and I'm not even talking about as a kid, but like now as I was watching it, I was like, this is great. So that was like the first thing that really, really struck me about this. Nice, 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 nice. Yeah. That I, yeah, I was surprised because that I would agree with you on that, that I was surprised because I, I did know the formula going into it and like, and I, the formula was very cool, right? It was like what you saw as a kid, like that's what you wanted to see every time, but you're right. There was breaks of it. And I so distinctly remember from when I was a kid, like Tommy going into the Zord, like behind them and like sh- sh- scaring them or like Another thing that I remember when I was a kid that's st- that like I can remember the feeling watching is when Jason gets trapped with Goldar and he's like hiding from him in the smoke. I remember being so scared as a kid thinking like if I was in that position, like Goldar scared the crap out of me when I was like sick. So like it was yeah, it was very, very interesting. Like to all these things that like I re- think I had forgotten about. But then like the memories came flashing back as I was watching, you know. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the Jason Goldar fight, because that leads me to my overall takeaway number two. Hot take here. Bear with me. I know this introduces Tommy and the Green Ranger and the Dragon Sword. This is the Tommy miniseries. I know. However, I think this is really more of a Jason story. At least that was the way I saw it in watching it for a couple of reasons. Number one, Jason has the most to do, right? The story begins and ends with him fighting Tommy. First, we have the martial arts expo, right? It's a friendly competition, but he's fighting Tommy. And then, of course, it culminates in this hand-to-hand combat between the two of them when the Green Ranger is under Rita's spell. And along the way, Jason is put through this gauntlet of having to fight Goldar in this you know, prison dimension without his powers. And the stakes feel very, very high. And there's also, I think the other thing that really stood out to me was the Rangers are at a pretty low point in this storyline when Zordon is lost between dimensions and they can't morph and especially when they find out that Tommy, their new friend, is is the Green Ranger. Like, they're at a very low point and Jason is really the one who has to rally them. I mean, they're, the rest of them seem pretty close to giving up, sad to say, and Jason is the mm-hmm. one who kind of rallies them. So I feel like Jason has a lot to do on a few different levels and when you look at the Tommy of it all, Tommy's under the spell for almost the entire storyline. You get to see, you know, you get a couple of, of little instances that show you a little bit about his character early on. Mm-hmm. And then you see, you know, him come out of the spell at the end and he shows remorse for what he's done. But otherwise, he's he's a puppet of Rita. So I think it's later where, you know, we'll get the development with Tommy and, and everything there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, watching it, He's the bad guy of this series. Yeah. He is, yeah. But so watching it, I just, I was more, I, I guess I was just more invested in, in Jason's part and his role in this. So I don't know. That was kind of, those were my takeaways, I guess, watching. What were your overall impressions? Well, I I think Tommy, like the Green Ranger, I think was popular because I think he just looked cool, dude. Like the green comboed with that like gold shield thing that he has just looks freaking cool. Like, and I don't know why it just visually works so well. And like, and then the actor, Jason, Jason, David Frank, I think like when you see him in the civilian clothing with the green, like he just, he looks cool. Like, so I think just visually he was cool. And the fact that he was a power ranger, but bad, but then turns good. And he's got his own Zord. That's like independent of the rest of them. It's just like a very cool, like, I totally get why he became the favorite watching this. You know what I mean? Because he is still kind of like squeaky clean, but he's kind of also like edgy at the same time. And it's like, 
I don't know. He just, he, he hits that like nineties, like perfect spot of like, you know, like even Tommy, like he's like prototypical nineties, cool guy, you know, like flannel shirt, long hair, earring necklace, you know, like he just like, is like the prototypical, like, like when I was a kid, like, I want to be that guy when I grow up, you know? So I don't know, like, he was just a very cool person. Like, I wonder if in the Japanese story, I was very curious watching this, like what the Green Ranger, how it related in the original story for the Japanese stuff. Like, was it the same thing where he was a bad guy and then turned into a good guy? Because like, like, I'm very curious about that. I, I readily admit, and this is an area where I'm sure our audience knows more than I do. Um, that's the Super Sentai piece of it is not something that I've delved into, at least not yet. I, I am open to mm. it, so I, I couldn't really say for sure, but... Yeah, the look is definitely cool. Like, it's cool. There's no way around it. It's a cool yeah. look. And and I guess that's the thing. It's We have a new color. We have green, but it's that dragon shield. I mean, that's like just gold. Puts, yeah. But, I mean, I got not to keep bringing it back to Jason, but when Jason eventually gets the shield, I mean. That late, looks cool, too. Later on. I do remember that, yeah. You know, that's pretty cool. I think he gets it a couple of instances. I think there's one episode coming up where Tommy sort of transfers it to him temporarily. And then later on when Tommy loses his powers and that's when he sort of gives it, gives it to Jason. I don't know that Do, it gets does utilized Jason have it for, for a long period or is it just like one or two episodes? It's not something if, as I remember, and I'll have a better answer as we move forward, as I recall, it wasn't the case. It wasn't like with Tommy where it's on all the time. I think it was something that occasionally, like if we needed a little boost or something like that, it would, it would okay. uh, appear. I think that was sort of the idea. It wasn't something well, that he wore every episode. I feel like I also remember Zach wearing it at one point too. Oh, interesting. I don't remember that. But that maybe. looked, I, my memory of it was that it looked cool because it was like black with the gold. Like that had a cool look to it. Like, but yeah, yeah, that's, that had to have been something with like them working around the original footage that they had, had to have been, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So going through uh, these, these episodes, uh, you know, we don't have to you know, go scene by scene or anything like that, but a few things that I, I just wanted to, to talk about. So, you know, we meet Tommy in Green with Evil part one. Like I said, he's having this. Uh, this competition with Jason and, you know, you got to see them both demonstrate their martial arts prowess. It ends in a draw. So mm-hmm. no, we don't have a winner. You see in that, you certainly see Tommy's ability. You also see a little, a little insight into his character. There's definitely some, some good sportsmanship there. Right. Mm-hmm. It was, it was funny to me though, that like they, the other Rangers make note of the fact that Tommy's the new kid in school. Right. No one talks to him though. At the end of this, and I think Trini says something like, or Kim, Kimberly or Trini, like, oh, we'll talk to him at school tomorrow. But it's like, I don't know. Maybe I, I, why don't you I, invite I, him to join you? Yeah, no, I, I didn't think that was funny was when like, because it's like Kimberly's like checking him out, I think. And then like Trini's like, talk to him at school tomorrow. And she's like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. And I'm just thinking like, wait, what? Like he's standing right there, not doing anything. <laughs> like It's like, you could talk to him now, but like, yeah, I didn't think that was funny. The, the way that they like set up the, the school dynamics. Well, side note, they're also like in their mid twenties, right? Like all these actors, like because they, they they don't look like high school. You know, what I mean, they don't look like teenagers. But like, I just thought that was, that was another funny thing. But yeah, yeah, no, it's just, it just made me laugh because it's like you know they're they're they just both got done with this competition. They're sweaty. Jason's like, I'm gonna go grab a shower, and uh, they know he's new. Pat doesn't have any friends. Yeah, but but we do get then that scene at at school where Tommy intervenes uh, and uh, deals with Bulk and Skull, right when they're yeah. when they're hassling Kimberly. So, you know, you don't spend much time with Tommy before he is put under Rita's spell. But at least in the time that you do, you you do get a little bit of insight into who he is. And much like the other Rangers, he's a good kid, yeah. <laughs> good guy. Yeah, 
and he's cool. He's super cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that's what that's like. I feel like like what they try to set up in those earliest scenes. That they're like, this guy's cool. Like that's like like right there as like a kid. You're just like, yeah, that guy's cool. Like he's got to be a good guy. But then when he turns bad, you're like, oh my god, what's going on? Like, Right. And I, I like, you know, I like the budding romance with him and, and Kimberly. That's a different dynamic that, as best as I can recall, you know, you didn't really, you didn't see that certainly within the team in the episodes leading up to it. So that adds a new component to it, you know? Yeah, to- totally. Yeah. So I, I dug that. Uh, this is later on in the episode, but I, if you had asked me a little while ago, do the Rangers have a flying car? I would have sworn <laughs> up and down. No, no way. There's no... Yeah, they do. I this was something I had completely. Did you remember they had a flying car? I, I did not remember it until I saw it, and then when I saw it, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember like Billy like building this maybe." So, side note, Billy like I, I I really as a kid I didn't like Billy, and now as an adult I like I really think his character is like kind of like it's it's odd. It's an odd character because he he seems to be the only one that doesn't know martial arts at all. But then, like, when they transform, he does. And it's, like, it's, like, a weird, like, <laughs> it's a very weird characterization. Like, I get they wanted one to be, like, the smart one. But, like, they should have had him be, like, a little more confident when he was, like, in his civilian form, you know? I, that's fair. I mean, as the show goes on, I, I, you know, he definitely, you saw him training. So I think they, okay, you know, accounted okay. for it a little bit down the line. But, yeah, I mean, right off the bat, I think that's, that's a fair point. <laughs> that's a fair and point. they do him so dirty in the intro, too. Like, in the intro of the show you they all have like a cool it's like a split screen with like their head morphing within the other side is like them as civilians doing like a cool karate move and his is like running away from putties like it's like it's a very odd like i'm like i get why i didn't like him as a kid because they kind of like make you not want to like him they make him like the one who's like isn't good at fighting and it's like it's very weird it's a very weird play you know I know, it's like they definitely, you know, show you his value in other ways, and especially in this storyline when the yeah. command center is in disrepair. But, yeah, I know, especially in the opening credits, I know it is a little unfortunate. It really, you know, paints a very specific picture of this nerd, essentially, right, yeah. who has which, the which brains. Is, yeah, which is which is a weird, which that is a weird message to be like, oh, if you're smart, you can't also be strong, which is like, it's it, which is kind of odd. Like, I feel like I wish they made him strong like keep him smart but just make him also like a little more confident would have been from the fighting aspect you know i know like i said i think as the show goes on and and the actor got like pretty buff and you know like you got to see a little bit more of the, the physicality the physical side of billy but yeah initially you don't though I that's have cool to, i have to say i was i don't know how much this registered as a kid but i did i did like how each of the kids has their own their own flavor and their own style, right? So Jason and and Trini, I suppose, would be the more traditional martial artist. Zach's style is more dance infused. Kimberly's yeah. the gymnast, yeah. Right? And Billy's, yeah. you know, kind of the lump, Smart lump guy, of clay yeah. to be mold to be molded there. But <laughs> but like I did appreciate how they like they each had their own their own kind of fighting style as civilians yeah. at least. Yeah, I know that was very cool. Yeah. I did appreciate that too. Yeah. Did, did Steph like Power Rangers when she was a kid? My wife? Yes, yeah. she did. She yeah, was a, she, she was a fan. I don't remember exactly how long she watched. I think she was basically in that, that same Mighty Morphin era. Uh, yeah. But yeah, she was a fan. In fact, at the school where we work, the students did a polar plunge a few years ago for charity and she participated mm-hmm. and they all wore Power Rangers uh, oh, shirts. Oh, cool. I, I was cool. I was there for moral support, but I, I did not go into the freezing cold water. Yeah. But uh, I, it's great that they did. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's a fan as well. And, you know, just as far as 
the fandom and um, what I was talking about earlier, recent instances where I've gotten to revisit it at uh, our, our mutual friend, Chris Wilcock, who will actually be the guest on the next episode. He runs a comic convention in White Plains, New York called Undiscovered Realm Comic Con. And he's had a number of the Power Rangers actors there as, as guests. And I had the opportunity a few years ago to moderate a panel with Catherine Sutherland, who played Cat, the second Pink Ranger, and Johnny Young Bosch, who played uh, played Adam, the second Black Ranger. And man, it was it was so much fun. It was it was surreal. That was really That's surreal cool. to be talking to them and reminiscing about the shows that I watched as a kid. And I also it wasn't for a panel, but I did meet Steve uh, Cardenas, who played Rocky, the second Red Ranger. Uh, so it was really, it's stuff like that has been like really cool. That's cool. That is very, very cool. Yeah. I remember at that con, I was there, um, as an artist alley and I met Johnny Young Bosch, like before the show very briefly, cause he's also a voice of like a ton of anime characters that I was a fan of too. So yeah, he's got a really cool career for sure. Yeah. And he was, they were, they were both a lot of fun to, to talk to. So like I said, even though it hasn't been predominant in my life uh, since I was a kid, there have been these opportunities. And now through this podcast, a, a regular opportunity to revisit all of this stuff. And, and I love it. So Rita hatches her plan, right, to put Tommy under the spell and to create her, her Green Ranger. What was interesting to me about this, and I, I think that the comics get into the mythology of this a little bit more. We'll see when we get there. But when the Green Ranger shows up, you know, Zordon is not shocked. Right. He talks about how like I, I forget exactly what he says, but something along the lines of like, oh, Rita finally chose her Green Ranger. And at the end of the storyline, when Tommy is is now w- with the Rangers, Zordon talks about the prophecy of the sixth Ranger being fulfilled. So it's just it's just interesting to me. It's like like this, again, the fact that Zordon wasn't surprised about this, like this was something that, you know, I guess he was anticipating at some point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's creative, uh, creative editing. I think is what that, what that was more than anything else, you know? Um, but yeah, it was interesting. But like, as a kid, again, you don't need to know, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm rolling with it. All right, let's do this. You know? Yeah. No, no, no. I think that's, that's, that's totally fair. I, it is funny when Rita, so Rita puts Tommy through the test, right? He has to fight the putties. And of, of course he does. And then he's taken to the the moon base and she puts the spell on him when he sits up clearly the Japanese footage. Yes, that is not the Japanese Jason actor. Frank. Yeah. That's definitely the Japanese actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which again, as a kid, didn't clock, but watching it now, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, but yeah, it's all right. Yeah. It's all good. It um, works. I do think it's funny that Rita, looking for the Green Ranger, is only looking at Angel Grove, and she's like, oh, like, like I'm just imagining in her head, she's like, there's a guy who knows karate and he likes wearing green. Let's make him the Green Ranger. He's perfect for to be the Green Ranger. He's the same age as the rest of them and he, and he knows them all. Perfect. Like, I know. I, there's a funny element to that that they just wear their colors like all the time. Like, there is there is something funny about that, especially, yeah, not to nitpick, but it is funny in this storyline. They They cannot figure out who the Green Ranger is. They just, yeah. they can't crack this case. You would think that it might dawn on them that the new kid who all of a sudden is wearing green jeans, who yeah. wears green jeans, <laughs> might be the one. I, head know. to toe green, yeah. <laughs> when Jason's red outfit, the head to toe red. Like, I get wearing the color, but the head to toe one color is like, it's a little intense. <laughs> That's, I agree with you. I think, you know, a shirt, a, like one article yeah. of clothing, but head yeah. to toe, especially jeans. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Like if he was wearing like black jeans with a green t-shirt, it'd be a little cooler, you know, but yeah, <laughs> green jeans. It's so funny. But in, in, in the show slash Rita's defense, it, it is a pretty ingenious plan, right? She's going to destroy them with one of their own, with another, mm-hmm. another kid who, and I think that's the psychological aspect of it is interesting too, where, you know, it's like when Tommy is, is taunting uh, Kimberly, you know, it really, it, it hurt. Like you feel for the character, it, it, which, which I do think it's a little odd that like they, we mentioned before that she doesn't talk to him when she has the chance to at the beginning. And then he like saves her from bullying from bulk and skull. And she asks him if he wants to like hang out with them. They doesn't show. And then like, she's like devastated when he, she talks to her the next time. And he's like, you're at the center of my world, Kimberly. And she's like, Oh, excuse me for living. And then like when it's revealed, he's the green ranger. She's like, this, this can't be happening. And it's like, you've had like four sentence exchange with this dude. You know, nothing about him. Like It's like, how is this shocking? <laughs> I know she does get pretty invested pretty quickly, but I, I, yeah. I can, I can get on board with that. What made me laugh was the, how do I put this? You know, Tommy's burns toward her, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, the sort of the psychological warfare that he wages. He, to your point, it's like, he knows so little about her or any of them. So yeah. when he's like, you know, you're not the center of my world or it's not a, like, oh, you must, you're worrying. Like that, that's like, that's what you do best. It's like, what? like yeah. there's not much for him to pull from. Like these feel pretty, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like pretty bare bones insults. <laughs> and like when Jason's supposed to, one of the, I think it's like the third or fourth episode, Jason's supposed to meet him for like karate practice and like, he doesn't show up and Jason meets up with the other one. He's like, yeah, Tommy never showed. And they're like, what weird. That doesn't sound like him at all. It's like, what <laughs> you never you don't even know this dude like, but again it's a kid it's part of that element of it being a kid show where it's like ah who cares they'll put they'll piece it together you know yeah that's the thing it's not fatal to the show or anything like that it's just you know watching with adult eyes it, it does kind of make you laugh but but yeah i mean i think rita's plan is 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 certainly an interesting one and i guess from a from a i don't know tactical or strategic perspective I think one of the things that was interesting with this is I know we have to prolong the storyline. We have to get to these five episodes. So the Rangers can't be totally defeated, right? They have to, you know, uh, be able to retreat and then we have a rematch and and all that. But I did think that, uh, you know, her, her, at least there was a purpose to it, right? She was building to this point of casting an eclipse, right? To drain the Megazord of its solar power, which look, as a Superman fan, I love the idea that it was, it was solar powered. But like I said, I just, I like the idea that there was, there seemed to be a lot of strategy behind this. And she was really trying to, you know, it's like, first you take out the the command center uh, and, you know, you separate members of the team, you deplete the power of the Zords. Like there, there was a lot of thought as to how we were going to ultimately bring about this defeat. Yeah, no, it was, it was cool. It was definitely a, a well as best as they could thought out, you know, with the footage, like I, I thought it was a, it, it was a, it was a show that tra- as a kid, it tracks, like, you know what I mean? Like when I was a kid, like I didn't question any of it, you know? Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I will say when Tommy enters the command center, going back to what I was saying before about the, you know, these things that you hadn't seen before and the camera angle is askew. Yeah. You know, it really creates this effect of like, oh, we're the we're in dangerous territory here. And, I, and my mind immediately went to the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. I mean, I remember 
as far as tent poles within my Power Rangers fandom. I mean, definitely seeing that movie in the theater as a kid. That was a huge, and we'll do an episode on that down the line. Like that was a huge event. But I mean, to this day, I still remember Ivan Ooze infiltrating the command center. And when the Rangers, when the Rangers showed up later, Zordon is lying there in his physical form. Oh yeah. It was like I that. About that. That blew my mind as a kid. So yeah. I, so this definitely pushed that button of like, oh, the command center and Zordon and Alpha are in danger in a way that you rarely see. So, uh, yeah. you know, there was also, I forget which of the episodes it was, but uh, when Zordon is, is trapped, right, and they're trying to retrieve him and they kind of start to pull him back, but he's not totally there. I, I don't know. Do you watch The Office? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it reminded me of this great bit in the office where Michael is talking to Jim uh, on the on the phone and Jim is messing with Michael and he's pretending that his, he's, he's breaking up. And so on what Jim is saying, he's like, okay, Michael, all you need to do, and then you'll be saved. So just make sure you, and then you'll be saved. Like he keeps doing this bit. That's what it sounded like when Zordon is like trying to give them information and instructions. It just made me think of that. But uh, yeah, like the stakes were high here. Yeah, it, it, it was cool. And like seeing the Green Ranger kind of sneak around and take out Alpha, that was kind of scary. Like as a kid, I remember being like tense. You know what I mean? Like it was tense kind of stuff. Yeah, he, and he breaks in twice. I mean, at least the second time they're able to put him in that force field. Well, let me, oh yeah, <laughs> the force field, the effect of that force field, that was good. That was quality, quality 90s uh, effect right there. But yeah, I want to ask you, do you think the Power Rangers, when they morph, get superpowers or is it just a costume that they wear it's i think it's powers okay because it's never clear it's not clear if they're like i know they jump crazy high but like that's just i think that's could also just be like a japanese stylization because that's like a thing like in like a trope to be able to like jump high and stuff so like like i i it's unclear to me whether they have actual superpowers or they're just putting costumes on Audience, if if you know or believe differently, let let us know. But I, it is something that I I do think is at least a little nebulous. And and what kind of brought this to my mind was a few years ago when they put out the that 2017 reboot movie, mm-hmm. which I actually liked. I know it wasn't particularly well received, but I liked it. I, I like the the focus on the characters and, and everything. But in that, after they get their their coins, they do have enhanced abilities. Yes, they did in that movie. Yeah, unmorphed. And that was initially what kind of prompted that question in my mind. I was like, wait a minute, on the show, that was never my understanding. And rewatching these episodes, I, it does seem pretty clear when they're unmorphed, they don't have powers. They, they just have to rely on their regular abilities. Yeah. And that when they morph, yeah, I don't think it's just, oh, they have a, you know, a helmet and a costume. Like, I do think there's some enhanced speed and, and strength. I, okay. that's my understand. Yeah. I could be wrong, but yeah. that, that's my understanding, you know? Cause yeah. it's like Jason's trying so hard when he's fighting Goldar to get his morpher back. Yeah. 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 Which okay, I don't mean to nitpick, but when, after Tommy and Goldar switch places, right. Jason is able to grab the morpher, but then Tommy steps on his arm. Now Jason's holding the morpher. Well, his arm is pinned down, but it's in his hand. Why can't he I think, morph? I think he has to use two hands and go, it's morphing time, Tyrannosaurus. Like, I think it's like, that's how you have to do it. That's you know? one of the rules. Yeah, there's not, you can't, it's not like a button you click. Like you gotta, you gotta do the full pose. That's probably one of Zordon's yeah. unspoken rules. Yeah, well, even even with the Zords, and they call the Zords, they do their like, like when they, whoosh, and the coins like come up behind them. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, this is something that I, I, 
either I forgot or I, I, I don't know, but watching the episodes now, I'm struck by, like, there's this sci-fi aspect, and the, you know, the Zords are mechanical, but there's also this mystical quality to everything, right? Mm-hmm. This, these, you know, these ancient beings, and, and there is something, I mean, supernatural might not be the right word, but there is something, like, somewhat mystical about these coins and the power behind it. Yeah, there's, like, a fantasy aspect to it, for sure, yeah. Yeah, which, as you know, and listeners of my other show know, I typically am not into but here it works. I think whatever blend they were they were able to achieve it like really worked for me. I, I mean, that's something that I actually do like. That's like a um, a genre that I do like, and, and it's something as a kid I never really really picked up on. But you're definitely right, and and I, I never really picked up on this either. But like I'm I'm a big fan of like Gundam and Gundam Wing and all that that whole uh, franchise of like anime, and that's something I discovered later on in life, like when I was a teenager, and I never put it together that. Power Rangers was basically like, like I didn't, I didn't ever put together. They're, they're like in mechs essentially. Like they're in mechs piloting mechs and like, and I, that might've been what laid the groundwork for me to like all the Gundam stuff later on when I got older. But like, I thought that was an aspect of it this time that like, like Oh yeah. They're kind of like piloting these like robots. And like, I, I, that was like an aspect of it. I just totally like went over my head as a kid, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I didn't, cultivate the later interest that you did. But yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. Another thing that I had absolutely forgotten was the crystals in the Zords. Yes, me too. The key, they're like the keys. Yeah, yeah. They, they put in and it like shines. Yeah. Totally forgot that. Yeah. And we, we touched on this before, but when, yeah, when Tommy enters the Megazord, that's a pretty, that's a pretty badass moment. I mean, you really, it's like, he's really, I mean, he already invaded the command center, but like he's really infiltrated their space. Yeah. Like you've not seen that before. Well, this is, this is a question that I had when I was a kid and I still have it as an adult is when they're in their individual Zords, they're in like these cockpits, but when they come together, they're in one big room. And like, I'm not sure if you clocked this, but like when the Megazord is transforming and it's like standing up and like the pterodactyl is coming to like attach on the chest, there's a shot inside the, the, the room where they're coming up and Kimberly's in that room before the bird comes to attach. So it's like, where does that room come from and how do they connect? Like, I remember as a kid, like when I was putting the toy together thinking like, so are there like tunnels like up through the legs and stuff for them to like climb up to get into that? Like, I remember that as a kid being a thing that I really thought about real hard. Like, like, where does this like come from in this room that they're in? Yeah. I know, man, I, I, that, I, that did strike me as well. I think that's one of those uh, unanswerable questions, but you know, the movie, the new movie, address that right because when they when the megazord formed there they were still in their own compartments like yeah. billy was in the triceratops like at the bottom of the megazord piloting yeah it. yeah which i hated the megazord in the new movie like especially it's funny because i actually liked that movie when i watched it but now after watching this i kind of like that movie less because i feel like a lot of what made power rangers awesome was not in that movie so i'm like part of me is like ah i don't know that's fair, and we'll we'll get to that movie at some point. But I think the my overall assessment of it, real quick, is I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I wonder who is this really for? Because yeah. if if you're really craving the feel of the original show, you only get like a few seconds of it when the Zords are <laughs> are, are yeah. racing out, and you get the few seconds of the theme song and the Jason David Frank and Amy Joe Johnson cameo, I guess. But like you don't, it doesn't really conjure the feeling of the show. No, so yeah. it's not necessarily for those of us who grew up watching it. And at the same time, 
and maybe the box like office it, speaks to this. I don't know that it would necessarily grab like kids now who've never seen it. It was Power too Rangers. dark. Yeah, it was too like it, it felt like they're trying to Batman Begins Power Rangers, right? Which I feel like since Batman Begins came out, which I love, it's one of my favorite superhero movies, but I do feel like there was this like idea that everyone's like, oh, we can like take all this stuff seriously, like really seriously. Like, what if this was like real? Like they did with Star Trek, they did with like all these franchises and like Power Rangers, while I don't think it's impossible, I think that like one of the elements that makes it so fun is that like the high energy martial arts and the fact they're like these like good people, you know? And like, neither of that was really like that new reboot. They, they kind of made it like the breakfast club. Like they all had like psychological like trauma and like, and like, and while there's definitely places for like stories like that, like, I don't know if Power Rangers is like the right spot because if you grew up with the show, you want that like nostalgia trip, you know? That's why I'm excited to get into the the Boom Studios comics because from what I've read and what I understand about it, I, I do think you get you get more insight into what's going on with them personally. I think you get to a deeper level than the show was able to achieve, but at the same time, it's still the characters and it's still that the, the core qualities of those characters. So yeah, I think yeah. the movie just went. I think they overshot the mark on that. But uh, in any event, we'll 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 talk about that uh, at some point. But. Yeah, I mean, Tommy entering the Zord, that was definitely, uh, you know, a powerful moment. They're thrown from the Zords. Speaking of the Zords, though, later on, where when Jason is still trapped with Goldar, the four remaining range, and Zack calls the morph, which I don't think, you know, happens yeah. a ton, but he calls the morph. Of the, but then the four of them are able to summon all five Zords. That's weird. Do they, do they make the Megazord? I think so. I'm not a high, I don't remember specifically. I think so though, but I, I think I'm actually pretty sure they do. I can't remember. But at yeah. a minute, I just remember thinking I was like, oh, it's just going to be the four Zords. And then like Tyrannosaurus comes I'm like, okay. So just like I said, <laughs> just these little, like these little variations. I mean, like I said, when they go to morph and sparks fly from their morphers and it's like, oh, it's a surge in the morphing grid. It was just like, man, yeah. like this is stakes are high here. Yeah. 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 I mean, as a kid, I remember being like at the edge of my seat, not knowing what was going to happen. Yeah. You know, because like the first time I watched it, I do remember the feeling of thinking like, is this guy like a bad guy for real? Like Tommy, like because you didn't know if he was if he was going to be a good guy or not, you know, like watching it the first time. And I remember that very distinctly being like, this guy's cool, but I want him to be a good guy. And like, and then he becomes one at the end, which is cool, which, OK, in this run of episodes when his dragon sword appears, which is awesome, by the way, he never gets in it, though. He just is like playing the flute to like command it. So does he, do you remember him ever like getting in the dragon sword, like independently of the other, other. So every time you ask me these questions, I'm just thinking of the audience being like, how do you not know that? Like about, uh, <laughs> about, about me? Like, how do you not know this? I, I'm not positive. I, well, I feel like I have a memory of him being inside. Yeah, I did too, but he didn't do it in this, in this episode. So that's why I was like curious. Like, I don't know, yeah. but yeah, it is so cool when the dragon sword emerges and he's playing the flute. I mean, that dun, 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 dun. like it's so, I still, to this day, I, you know, I, every now and then, the coolest sword, my coolest sword, the dragon sword's the coolest sword. And we get at the end, after the spell's been broken, we get dragon sword in, in uh, battle mode, right? Is that what it's called? Yes. Well, there's two transformations for Dragon Sword. I remember this because of the toys. There's the one that they show, but then there's also one where it's like the full Megazord with the Tyrannosaurus and the Dragon Sword kind of like splits open and like drops on top, like almost like shoulder armor. Yes. And like, I don't know, I, again, I don't know when that happens, but I remember doing that with the toy. Like I remember like assembling it. Like, I'm not sure if that actually happens in the show, but you could do it with the toy. I, be I believe it does. But yeah, I mean, it's, 
again, like there's so much that's added to the mythology here. It's it's a it's a such a cool run of episodes. Uh, one thing, and this is, you know, maybe unfair to ask of this kids show, but watching it now, one thing that I would have liked is any instance of Tommy resisting. And that kind of goes back to why I look at this as more of a Jason story. I think if there were any moments where you saw Tommy struggling to break free, I think that I think that would have gone a long way towards building up his character. I think there's like there's one moment after he's called the Dragon Zord where Rita makes a remark like stop toying with them and and destroy them and I think I'm reading too much into it, but maybe, like maybe at that point there was some part of Tommy that was I was holding back. I don't know, but that's even if it had just been one scene of him resisting, I would have liked to see that. I think you're asking too much for the kids <laughs> show. <laughs> I know, and look, when the spell is broken and and you know he he expresses the remorse over what he's done. I mean, again, I think that goes a long way, but uh, you know, I don't know. I think it would have been cool. Well, he didn't remember any of it. Like, I think he was like, what happened? Um, it's foggy. Like, yeah. And, and the, the spell was the sword that like sword was what caused the spell. Cause like they destroyed the sword and the spell's broken. It's, it's very, it's very nebulous as to like how he came under her spell or like what's causing it, you know? Well, that, it's so funny you bring that up because she puts the spell on him and he's in that cocoon thing, or whatever. And he sits yeah. up that, you know, that moment, but then she, uses or creates forges the sword of darkness to make the spell permanent yeah unless it's destroyed and it seems to be pretty easily destroyed <laughs> when jason blasts it so part of me wonders it's like what did you need the sword and maybe the spell would have been you would have been better off just uh but maybe whatever initial spell she put on him wouldn't hold and they needed the yeah. they needed the sword the sword to yeah. really lock it into place but i mean what did you think of that that final uh you know beach battle between uh between jason oh, it was and cool dude all the fight scenes were great like all of them like even with the putties but yeah especially with the one-on-one with the rangers was awesome and, and like i said i how visceral like the slashes across the chest the sparks flying and stuff like and the, the noise like boof, boof, like everything had this like live action anime feel to it where like everything's like over the top and frenetic and kinetic and like just really like so cool man like i was like like i said like like you think about that and then you think about Michael Keaton as Batman, like doing a weird sidekick, you know what I mean? Or like, like hovering down with his arms out as bad. It's just like, this is like so much more like intense, you know? And I, it's definitely why I think I love the show, you know, is those awesome fight scenes. What did you think of Tommy growing? What do you mean? Oh, oh yeah. Is <laughs> yeah. that just felt um, weird? It's weird when a, when a human grows. Well, Scorpina grew too. Yeah, I know. I remember when I was a kid, I had a crush on Scorpina. <laughs> right on, right on. Um, yeah, I, I forgot that she showed up in these episodes. And then, um, yeah, and she she grows, but then she morphs into like a weird like monster when she morphs. And then like Tommy grew. Yeah, that was odd. I don't know. What, what did you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. There's some, I don't know if it's just the, like I'm thinking about the physiology of it. I, I don't know. What yeah. it, but for whatever reason, I don't, I don't know. There's something like off-putting to me about, about the human growing like that. Yeah. Like the monsters are totally on board with, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's also like, he's already infiltrating the Zord. He's got his own Zord. It just felt like, all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Kill. He could just use his Zord. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we had a question from one of our patrons from Brian and uh, I want to get your take on this. So he said, my question for you guys, do you feel like when it takes the entire team to take down one human villain, that it makes the team itself look somewhat ineffective. The Power Rangers need Tommy, but when he turns good, does he really need them? 
He says, it's been a long time since I watched those tapes. And speaking of it, I remember having the VHS tapes that they put out of, of this story. Oh, nice. Nice. But, was it one VHS or was it one episode per VHS? I think it was like one per VHS or something like Ooh. that. Something like Ooh. that. But I do remember. And I also had, they put out VHS tapes of the first, I swear, I think it was... I wish I remembered this more specifically, but I feel like there were there was a VHS, either five VHS tapes in one set or, or one tape, whatever it was, of the first five episodes. I think I remember getting that. There was a place okay. called Service Merchandise. Uh, I remember Service Merchandise. We had those of say, yeah. In, in Hardstyle, now it's a Best Buy, but I, rem- like I remember being there and, and getting it. But in any event, do you think that it makes the team look ineffective when they have such a hard time against Tommy in these episodes? No, because that's, the, that's like the trope of the show. And like they need to be a team to beat all of them. All the bad guys need to be a team for it. It's kind of like the shtick of the show. And like, as a kid, I didn't clock it. And as an adult, I like, I understand why it's there. So no, I agree. And for a couple of reasons, I think the fact that he's human, that to me doesn't, you know, whether it's a human or a monster, it always takes the entire team to defeat them. Right? Like that's the point. They have to work together. Yeah. And I think though, in the Rangers defense, there was a lot, there's a lot stacked against them here. The fact that their new friend has been turned and they don't know Uh it until the second to last episode, right? So they're working in the dark. They don't have the resources they normally do. They can't teleport. They can't communicate. They can't morph at times. They lose their zords. Like there's so much. And and it's not just Tommy bringing about all of these things, right? Like Rita's pulling a lot of strings and she's utilizing Goldar and she's utilizing, utilizing Scorpina. So I feel like the show does a good job of, um, you know, you kind of see it from the Rangers perspective, and also to the extent that Tommy does accomplish a lot in, in, in these episodes, it, it builds him up. I don't think it does it at the expense of the other Rangers, but it definitely builds Tommy up and it, it gives so much more weight to these episodes and to this character. Yeah, totally. Totally. And, and you can also argue that like, if you want to break it down past the like reality of filming and stuff, like when Tommy was under her spell, he had more power. You know what I mean? The dark sword could have given him like the same power as like the monsters have, you know? Well, he uses like he fires like an energy ball at them. Does he ever do that again? I don't remember that. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. He does do like the whole like thing, which is which is super cool. But I don't I don't know if he does that ever again. The Power Rangers don't do that ever, do they? I don't think so. Yeah, I remember when they put their weapons together, they, they, you know, when they put like all their like special weapons together, they can make like this like giant sword crossbow thing that shoots like an energy blast. But yeah, no, that yeah. I, that I do remember. You mentioned bulk and skull earlier. I will say from the bit that I've watched, I mean, green with evil, but other episodes here and there that I've watched in recent years, the, as an adult, the bulk and skull stuff is, is what I try to get through as quickly as possible that I, <laughs> that really doesn't work. I think as a kid I was into it, but now that stuff doesn't really play for me. What yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think it's interesting because it's, it's pretty much just reinforcing the whole, like, don't be a bully. Bullies are like geeks. Like, you know what I mean? That's kind of like, which I think was a good message for kids. You know, it's like, don't be like these, like these, these dorks, these bulk and skull, like guys who are just like jerks to people, you know, like be like the power Rangers, be good, wholesome people, you know, like, yeah, no, fair. No, like they definitely, again, I, you know, I, I can appreciate the purpose that they serve. I think it's just, I find them, they're so over the top. There's that theme music. It's just, I find them kind oh, of yeah. grading. Like it's just yeah. a little bit much sometimes. I think if it were toned, but again, it's easy for me to say that at 35, like, oh, they should have yeah. toned, they should have had a more nuanced portrayal of bullying on this. It's like, you know, I think for, <laughs> for what they were doing, it, it worked. You get a little gay panic in there when, uh, you know, when Kimberly, you know, tricks, uh, 
uh, skull into kissing bulk. Oh yeah. <laughs> you get quite a reaction from the two of them. My goodness. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. I, I love when, yeah. Oh, oh dude. Yeah. When, <laughs> when Kimberly's like, fine skull, I'll kiss you. And Ernie's like, Kimberly, don't do it. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> I guess I, that, you know what? That really stood out to me too. And I don't know, maybe it was just the delivery but the way yeah. he was just, I don't know, maybe he harbored a crush on, I don't know how old Ernie was supposed to be. He's definitely not a high schooler, but. Uh, I mean, he he looked like the same age. They all look the same age. I feel like everyone in the show looks like the same, like 25, you know? <laughs> yeah. But I know he was so, he was really like, Kimberly, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> but, you know, we talked about Angel Grove and look, this isn't, this is an easy crack to make, but look, we're comic book fans. We read a lot of Batman. You know, it's, it's hard enough to believe that people would live in Gotham city, right? Riddled with crime and all these supervillains, but it's like, all right, it's street level and bang, you know, Batman's out there whatever. Like, could you, like, why would anyone live in angel growth? Like monsters, like stopping, yeah, destroying the buildings. Yeah. All the time. It's not like, Oh, like in the movies, it's like, Oh, like what? It's like every week, every, every day, three thirty, <laughs> a monster shows up and <laughs> destroys everything. Yeah. <laughs> oh man yeah i i do wonder that and it, well is angel grove supposed to be california i believe yeah yeah i, I get that vibe because it's very like sunny like beachy kind of vibe even though you know there's definitely like like it's it's like it's like the suburbs of like los angeles with like the downtown of tokyo with like the beaches of like i don't know like north northeast like seattle like i feel like that's kind of like the geographic kind of like center of what angel grove is you know yeah. Yeah, man. So I don't know. Is there anything else that we didn't talk about yet with respect to green with evil that you wanted to? Um, well, I mean, just general, overall general power Rangers stuff. Like what about music? Music is great. Yes. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. The music goes, goes a long way. I think towards really getting you, getting you pumped up and, and yeah. helping to tell the story. Like, you know, right. When they're in danger and you know, when, when they've won, like, you know, when, when, uh, the, the, the threat has been overcome. I mean, dude, as a adult in my thirties, when they go, it's morphin time and the music kicks in, I still get like, oh yeah. Like it's still like, like it's still like jacks that adrenaline up of like it, it, it is like no shock to me why this show is popular. It was like the perfect mix of like energy and like excitement that like just hooked into you, you know? And I think, you know, you and I have, you know, of course, both, both comic book fans and I'm curious especially for any audience members who kind of are coming over with us from digging for kryptonite, you know, whether you're a Superman fan or a comic book fan in general, but I, like, I would imagine there's a fair amount of, of crossover there. And I, you know, I could see why. Um, and again, especially in terms of those themes of ultimately good triumphing over triumphing over evil. I mean, it really, <laughs> it, it really hits on that. And so, well, I mean, they are superheroes. Yeah. They're su- I mean, they are they're superheroes. So they're not based off a comic book, but they're still, you know, yeah. Superheroes, you know, with, with secret identities. I mean, that's one of Zordon's rules. You know, you can yeah. never use your powers for personal gain, never reveal your identity and never escalate a threat. Yeah. Which that the, not escalating a threat. I don't, I don't know that I can really buy into that one. I mean, of course it has to be that case in order for us to have each episode, right? We have to fight as civilians then we have to morph then we have to call the Zords. I mean, later on we have that intermediate step with the ninja outfits. I don't even remember that. Dude. They, they, there like, was this, at all. Yeah, it used to be like they they could, you know, they had their, you know, would, could fight as civilians, but then they would don their ninja garb, but they weren't fully morphed yet. 
So we had yet another step along, along the way. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It just always kind of makes me laugh where it's like, if they escalated, they could end these threats a lot faster. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know what we're building towards. Just call the swords. But in any event, uh, again, I know we, we have to have these these stories. It's also the, I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, 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 go on. We had a little bit of a, a delay there on the Zoom, so I, I just wanted to double check. But uh, as far as Tommy joining the team, you know, you, you really feel for this kid. And I know that the first arc of the Boom comics that we're getting to deal with this, and I'm very excited to get into it. They really deal with essentially his PTSD over all of this. Because it's, you know, imagine the whiplash that this kid must have. Like he moves to a new place. <laughs> He's instantly put under the spell of this, you know, ancient sorceress. And the second he breaks free, he joins a team. Yeah. And this floating head is giving him all these rules to live by. I mean, it's quite it's quite the journey in a really short period of time. Well, I watched the episode after this one, the one that immediately followed this five ish this five episode arc this morning. Tommy seems totally cool. He's playing basketball with them in the park. Not a care in the world. You know, totally fine. Goes to karate practice, shows up at the end to help them save the day. No psychological damage whatsoever. Tommy's fine. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's all good. But I, I, again, I think that the comic will will be interesting. Like I get why the show wouldn't have necessarily yeah. gotten into it. Oh, yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Although there is an episode I'm going to watch for the next uh, podcast, uh, Gung Ho, where there's a little friction with Tommy and Jason and they have to learn how to work together. So I think that's a, that's a cool episode. Uh, that'll be a cool one to revisit the, Oh, the, the last thing I want to say about Zordon's rules about keeping your identity secret. Of course that makes sense and everything. It's, it's almost, it's odd to me that, I mean, no Rita has her magic telescope and everything, but isn't it odd that she like, she knows who they are. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. I never thought about that. Yeah. Like, wouldn't that be weird. the ultimate well, advantage? It is weird that she keeps attacking Angel Grove, too. It's like, if you know this is where the Power Rangers are, whose sole purpose is to fight you, you could go, like, 50 miles in a different direction to attack another city. Or another country. You could just start attacking. You know what I mean? It's, it is odd that she's, like, so focused on on Angel Grove. But, but yeah, you're right. I, I guess that just has to be, like... Yeah, I guess their telescope. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I, that's another thing I never put together either as a kid. Like, yeah. Again, it's just. I mean, clearly, it's not too much of an advantage because she never wins. But as I was watching it, I was just like, that's a lot of, a lot of access knowledge to give the the villain. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, I can't tell you how much fun this was. Well, l- let me ask you before we go. Um, I, this might dovetail into a different episode, but I just want to get your opinion. Did you like the Green Ranger or the White Ranger better? Which one did you like better as Tommy's like alter ego? I think, I mean, ultimately we spent more time with him as the White Ranger and he was the White Ranger in the movie. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was older when I was watching those episodes. I think they, in my mind, in my memory, I probably gravitate to him as the White and he's the leader of the team at that point. Mm-hmm. I think that version is probably probably looms larger in my head. Um, interesting. Objectively, interesting. rationally, in terms of what's cooler, I would probably say the Green Ranger. But like when I instantly think of Tommy, I probably think White Ranger. What about you? Interesting. Green. I'm green all the way. I think Green looks cool. Like I think he just looks cooler as the Green Ranger. Like the chest thing, the 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 gold armor thing looks cooler than what he has. The White Ranger is almost like a vest. I don't think it looks quite, I mean, it still looks cool. Don't get me wrong. Like it still does look cool, but not as cool as the green range. It's a dragon. And, and again, 
going back to when I was a kid, that Green Ranger toy was so hard to find that like it's like burned into my head. And the dagger too, the Green Ranger dagger, like which I had both. I got both for Christmas, which was awesome. But like that stuff is so hard to find that for me, it's just it's so baked into my head as him as the Green Ranger. And then also because he wasn't in a ton as the Green Ranger, it felt like, oh right, this is a Green Ranger episode. Yeah. When he became the white, I do remember that being like a whole mystery as like who the white ranger was. And when it was revealed that it was him, that was really cool. But then he was around a lot though, as the white ranger too. Yeah. He was, he was there, you know, yeah. regularly permanently at that point. Yeah. yeah. As the green ranger, I mean, he's here. I was looking up on IMDB just to uh, refresh my memory. So he's now part of the team, I think for the next like 15 episodes or so, then he loses his powers, but then he comes back, then he loses them again. But when he loses them the second time, he's only gone for like, two episodes and then he comes back as the white ranger oh okay okay so there's a little bit of back and forth but uh again we'll be we'll be delving into the next batch of of tommy centric green ranger centric episodes uh next month on summoning the zords and once we've done that then we'll move into the first two years of the boom studios comics which again begin with the aftermath of tommy breaking free of the spell and joining the team uh and that's kind of for our audience here, that's kind of how we'll operate as, as we're moving forward. We'll sort of weave between the show and the comic. So I know there's a certain point in the comics where they have a bit of a time jump and then we get into the era where Tommy is the, is the white Ranger. So before we get to those comics, like we'll do episodes on, on those episodes of the show. So that's sort of what the, what the approach will be again, man. Thank you so much. Where, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, when you do do the episode on the toys, um, there's a there's documentary series on Netflix called The Toys That Made Us. And the Power Rangers one's really interesting because it not only talks about the toys, but also the creation of the American version of the show. Like how, did, did you watch that? I did. Yeah, it is really you did. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So where where should people uh, find and follow you, my friend? Um, yeah, you can find me at VKenMarion on Instagram and at VKMarion on Twitter. I'm a comic book artist. Um and so, yeah, I'm posting a lot of cool stuff that I'm working on there. Um, and yeah, and give us a sub- subscribe to um, Anthony's Patreon and get all cool exclusive episodes. I know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Ken. I hope everyone does uh, find and follow you. And audience, really, there, you know, there's no shortage of Power Ranger podcasts out there. So uh, thank you for choosing to spend some time with us. I hope that you'll come back next month. Uh, I'm really excited to continue to delve into Again, uh, it was a very big part of my childhood. So thank you very much. I hope you'll join us next time. And until then, have a morphin' month. Support the show and receive exclusive additional content, including my DC Movie Rewatch podcast at patreon.com slash anthonydesiato. Thank you to all patrons for enabling me to produce this show. Also, be sure to explore the other shows within the Flat Squirrel Podcast Network, which is home to Digging for Kryptonite, another exciting episode in The Adventures of Superman, Summoning the Zords, and My Comic Shop History, all hosted by yours truly. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Visit flatsquirrelproductions.com for more. Thank you all.